The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Let's look at Romans chapter 7, verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me uh, in, in all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Thank you. You may be seated. We've prayed, and I want to uh, preach to you a message about a new relationship this morning. And I want you to think about this with me, because when we look at this text, I know that a lot of times we're, we're looking at the text and we're thinking, this... This is a text about marriage, because you read the whole thing about, you know, the being married and being loosed and, you know, how a marriage is broken. And, and I want to remind you, as we look at this text, don't be confused. This is not a message about marriage. Uh, this is not a message about uh, being married and divorced. This is not a message. This is not what the message is about. It's not even what the text is about. Uh, as we study the scriptures, we know that there's a, there's a lot of other things other than death that can break a marriage. Uh, the Bible tells us, in, uh, as Jesus dealt with the Jews, that we're putting their wives away for all kinds of things. We know in, uh, in culture, how many know as you look at the, uh, the Bible culture, uh, women weren't treated very well. And uh, they were not just second-class citizens, they were just no citizens at all. And uh, by the way, God never, God never condoned it. Uh, if you look at how Jesus treated women, he always treated them well. Jesus always loved them. Jesus was always compassionate to them. You know, when uh, the disciples walked up, Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. They wondered why in the world he was talking to her. But Jesus, he always treated women well. He always honored them. He always uh, rendered uh, that benevolence, that love to them. And uh, by the way, that's his example in the Word. We, we can see all kinds of people that have been mistreated in history. And that's never God's, uh, God saying that was okay. It might be God putting the spotlight on it and showing us that's how people did things. But it's not that, you know, some people look at the Bible and say, well, look at how people were treated. You know, God's not saying that was okay. God's showing us that's how it was. God's showing us this wicked, sinful, cursed world that we've been delivered from. He's he's revealing to us that now we have the Word of God and we understand how things should be. 
and we understand the order of how things should be. And we know that, uh, boy, God has created man in his image and his likeness, and, and men, has va- men and women have value to God. And uh, so it's not about importance, but we do know that men and women have different roles. Are we okay with that? Men and women have different roles. And God's given us different roles. He's not saying that different importance. He's not saying different value. He's saying different roles. Uh, we would be foolish if we go with the culture and say men and women are exactly the same. How many know that's not the truth? Men and women are not exactly the same. Men and women are different, and it's okay that we're different, isn't it? And by the way, it's good that we're different. How many glad if you're married to a woman that she's different than you? I'm glad. I'm glad my wife is not like me. I'm glad she's different than me. Uh, how many glad if you're married? How many wives you wish your husband was like? I'm just kidding. All right. Yeah, but we understand. We understand as we look at this text. You know, the Lord has talked about different things. Uh, those, uh, those, uh, those Pharisees, those Jews, he was dealing with these Jews that were putting their wives away for foolish things. I mean, they were, their wives would burn the, the meal, and they were divorcing their wives and leaving their wives for just nominal, uh, just, just foolish things because they just wanted to move on and have another spouse and have another mate. They, did, they, weren't even, they, weren't, they weren't honoring marriage. And so Jesus talked about what could break a marriage. He talked about death. He talked about adultery. That, that could break a marriage. Uh, uh, fornication, that could break a marriage. Uh, he talked about those things, that, that, that those partners would be free if those things happened in, in their relationships. And by the way, we're okay with that, right? We understand that. Uh, how many know we, we live in a sin-cursed world and relationships are messy? How many know that? So we're not here today to talk about a full theology of marriage, now that I got that aside, because I know all of you were nervous as we were reading those verses. We're like, oh, what are we going to get into here? What are we talking about? I want you to look at verse number one, because I want us to see what we are talking about here. Look at, look at Romans chapter 7, verse number one. Know ye not, brethren... For I speak to them that know the what? Know the law. Who's he talking to? Talking to people that know the law. So who's that? Well, in this case, at Rome, he's talking to the Jews, right? He's talking to people that are familiar with the law of God. Those that know the law. You know, uh, as we looked at chapter 6, he was dealing with, how many know that the gospel is pure and right and good, and it splits wide open these two fallacies, these two heresies. One of them is legalism, and the other one is liberalism. Last week, we looked at liberalism. Uh, Should we continue in sin that grace may abound, church? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? God forbid. We that are dead to sin, we don't want to continue any longer therein. If God truly freed us from our sin, why do we want to continue in it? We know that sin's a shackle. We know that sin, uh, that sin hurts and sin kills and sin destroys. And so we don't have this flippant attitude with God now that we've been saved. We can just live however we want to live. Thank God I'm going to heaven. Now I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do anything. I, don't have to, I mean, I don't have to. I mean, I'm, it's, it's fine. I mean, I can live how I want to live. How many know this? The gospel teaches us that we've been saved by grace through faith, not of our works. And so what does that tell us? That tells us that we, we haven't been saved because of the law. The law didn't save us, but the Bible's introducing to those that know the law, chapter 7, verse number 1, something about this relationship that they had with the law. Look at it, chapter 7, verse 1. He says, he says, to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he what? Hmm. And then he gives an illustration. And the illustration he gives is a what? A marriage illustration. In his illustration, he talks about how a wife is bound to her husband as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she's free to marry. Understand the illustration. She's talking about Old Testament law. 
He's going back into law. He's talking to these people who understood the law. Don't don't lose me. I'm getting somewhere with this. The illustration is important because he's trying to teach us something about our relationship with the law. In other words, all of us before Christ were in a marriage with the law. We were married to the law. The Bible says we were under the law. We were connected to the law. Let me ask you a question. What did the law say about us? What did it say about you? What did it say about me? The law said that we should, because of our sin, we should what? Help me out, church. What should we do because of our sin? What does the law demand on us? What's the, okay, so the judge says you're, what, Romans chapter 3, you're guilty. Your sentence is what? Death. Now, how many know in the law there's no... There's no, uh, well, you know, I know that's the law, but we're going to ignore the law. Not if you're being just. If you're being just, a just person doesn't ignore the law. How many know that God is a just God? Does he ignore the law? No, the wages of sin is death. So in our marriage relationship with the law, we were under condemnation. We are in a relationship with the law. He's saying, hey, listen, you were in this relationship. You don't believe me what he's talking about. Look at, look at verse number uh, five, for if we have been planted, I'm sorry, uh, chapter seven, verse number five, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But uh, look, I'm sorry, go back to verse number four. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. What's he saying? You were married to the law, but in order for you to be married to another, in his illustration, who died? Who died in the illustration? You all looking at it? Who died? It's not going to be one of those classes where you can just sit and stare at me, all right? Uh, in, the, in this illustration, who died? The wife was free to marry again, so who died? The husband died. Okay, good. Say the husband died. All right, poke your husband say the husband died. All right, good, good. So the wife was free to marry because the husband died. But isn't it interesting that he does not carry that illustration into what he's making his point? Because... If the husband's the law and the wife is us, let me ask you a question. Did the law die? Is the law dead? No, as a matter of fact, he sums it up in verse number 12. What's he saying in verse number 12? The law is still what? It's still alive. It's still holy and just and good. Is the law dead? No. Is the law sin? He says, God forbid to that. He said, the law's not sin. Is the law evil? No, the law's not evil. But what did the law do in our relationship with it? It condemned us. It said, you broke the law. Let me ask you a question. Did you break the law? No, pastor. I've never broken the law. No, no, God's law. I didn't say ever you got locked up. I didn't say do you have a record. Somebody got a little nervous. By the way, even if you do, that's okay. Uh, We're not any better than you if we didn't. Because the, the Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Anybody tell a lie? Well, it's just a little one. Just a little one. Uh, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, I've never committed adultery. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. But here's the truth. Remember those Pharisees? Jesus was dealing with them. What did he do with them? Oh, you didn't commit adultery. What did Jesus say to them? I say unto you, who that looketh on a woman to lust after has already committed adultery in his heart. What did God say to them? You're adulterers. You're liars. You're thieves. Oh, I never stole. What did he say to you? You coveted. You wanted to take it. You just didn't want to have to do the crime. Or you didn't know how to, have to do the time for the crime, so you didn't take it. How many ever saw something you wanted? 
somebody else's? You ever covet someone else's spouse? You ever covet somebody else's house? You ever covet someone else's car? Someone else's life? Come on, we do it all the time, don't we? We live in that world. We live in that world. Oh, get what somebody else has. I'll be happy if I get what somebody else has. I look at somebody else's marriage. I wish I had their marriage. You might not want to take their spouse, but you wish you had one like theirs. That's covet. That's stealing. That's that's when we look in our our hearts and God says, I know your heart. You're a thief. You're a murderer. Oh, I never killed anybody, but you hated your brother. That's what Jesus said to him. Come on, are we guilty? Oh, so what did the law do in our marriage? The law says, death. You deserve death because of your relationship with the marriage. So let me ask you a question. Happy marriage, right? Are we happily married to the law? No, we're miserable. The law is not someone that we want to be married to. The law is not someone, by the way, that we can be free from unless something dies. I mean, what what can break that? Notice in the relationship, the law didn't die. The husband didn't die. The wife died. We died. Notice what he said. Look what he says in, in, in in the text here. He says, verse number nine, for I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, when the law came, remember when Moses came down to Ten Commandments? He had to go get Ten Commandments 2.0 because he broke them. You know, how many know that the Ten Commandments he brought down the second time were the same ones he brought down the first time? God didn't change the word because it was written again. God copied it down again the same time. It was the same law. Didn't change because the law is forever settled in heaven. So we understand that the law is the law. It doesn't change. It doesn't die. So in order to be free from that marriage relationship, someone had to die and the law couldn't. Let me ask you a question. If you died alone, would you have satisfied the law? Maybe you would have died for one of your sins, but you could have never died for all of your sins. Isn't that hold true in the Old Testament? Follow it with me. The Old Testament, you lied. Well, go get a bull. Go get a goat. What do you got to do? Sacrifice. Shed the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Again and again, follow the Old Testament. It's a bloody book, isn't it? Animals sacrificed, died. What was God saying? Sin brings death. Sin brings destruction. Again and again and again. How many times did they have to do it? Over and over and over and over and over. And then Jesus shows up, and what do we hear from the words of John the Baptist, the forerunner? What does he say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. In other words, Jesus was able to enter in once for all and do away with all the system of killing the blood and uh, the bulls and the goats and the lambs and the pigeons and all, all the animals. Come on, ASP, ASPCA, if they were around then, boy, we would have been in trouble. I mean, you think about all the stuff that was going on. Blood! That's what the law says. Blood! Deserve vengeance! That's, that's our relationship with the law. The law condemns us, and our heart condemns us. But God is greater than our hearts. Think about this with us. Who, who had to die? Well, our death wasn't enough. So Jesus took on human flesh. He humbled himself, became obedient to the, the, the cross, the Bible says. He died for us. He took our place. He was the only sinless, perfect one. There was never the one sinlessly perfect before him, and 
Never one sinlessly perfect after him. We're a good testimony of that. As good as we think we are, are we sinlessly perfect this morning? Boy, we know we fall short of the glory of God, don't we? So what we understand is, it took the death of one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect one. But what does the Bible say happened to us? When Jesus died, those that are in Christ, we also died. When Jesus died, we died. What did Paul say? He put it this way. I am crucified with what? Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So the law didn't die to free us from, the, from that old relationship with the law. Who died? We died. Jesus died. So now we're free to marry again. But guess what? We are free to marry the one who saved us. What does the Bible talk about when we enter a relationship with Christ? We are his bride and he is our husband. Notice the wife in the illustration is us, the church, those who have been saved. We died with Christ and now we are free to marry another and we are no longer married to the law. Now, why do you think that he decided to remind those that know the law of that truth? Because the law brings to us death. And a believer who tries to live by the law is going to bring nothing but death and condemnation in their life. He says, you've got a new marriage. You've got a new relationship. And that relationship was with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 4. Chapter 7, verse number 4. Don't just believe what I say. Look at the text. Wherefore, my brethren, you are also become dead. How do we become dead to the law? By the body of Christ. That ye should be what? Married to another. Even, who are we married to? Well, I'm glad he tells us. Even to him that what? Who's raised from the dead, that we should what? Bring forth fruit unto God. So now we have a new relationship. We have a new marriage with Jesus. We're married to him that was raised from the dead. We're in that new relationship. Is that a relationship that brings condemnation to us? No. Hey, brethren. We're not under condemnation anymore. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Did he make that very clear to us? Let me ask you a question. Can you do anything to cause Jesus to leave you, divorce you, forsake you? Nothing. Does it mean you'll never make a mistake? Does it mean you'll never sin? No. But God will never demand your death because Jesus already paid for, you, paid for all that sin. He already took all of that on himself. There is no more condemnation to those that are in Christ because we have this new marriage. But verse 4, we have a new mission. Let me ask you a question. Anybody get married and your life changed? How many know I'm doing premarital counseling? I've been, I feel like I've been endlessly doing premarital counseling for like every week for the last uh, year. And I'm doing weddings. I'm enjoying it. Flying to, or doing a wedding. Mike and Jimena, they're here. They're getting married next month. You guys aren't excited even a little bit about that, are you? Just did marriage counseling, premarital counseling with them yesterday. Flying out to California, uh, Audrey and Will are doing their wedding. I'm getting the privilege to do their wedding, doing some premarital counseling there. Exciting. But marriage changes your life, doesn't it? Because a relationship, does a relationship bring duty? Does it bring responsibility? Is it work? (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah. More than I thought. More than I signed up for. I thought all we needed was love. (laughs) I found out that we needed a lot more than that. How many know that marriage in every relationship takes work? You know, you're you're in a relationship with other believers. You're in a relationship with the church. We're in a relationship. 
every relationship takes work. And it's good when both are working. Can I, ask you, can I ask you a question? Has Jesus ever stopped working in your relationship? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto what? Good works. What does that mean? Now I'm in a relationship. That relationship has duty. That relationship has responsibility. I'm now in a new marriage, but I have a new mission. I have a new mission. There's a new uh, direction that my life is headed in. Can I share some with you? Nothing has changed my life like the gospel becoming a believer, but nothing has changed my life like becoming a husband. You know, um, not too long into our marriage, we've got a 14-year-old, I've got a 12-year-old, I've got an 11-year-old, I've got an 8-year-old. Not too long into our marriage, we had children. You know, becoming a father brought a whole new level of duty, responsibility, work, commitment. How many know it's a lot of work? Every relationship is work. Now listen, the thing that we need to learn is that we didn't work to get in our relationship with Christ. But because we're in a relationship with Christ, there is work that takes in that relationship and it comes naturally. It comes normally. It comes with the relationship. It's not some kind of thing working to keep the relationship. Here's the thing. I'm not working in my relationship with my wife hopefully that I don't lose the relationship. I'm working the relationship with my wife because she's already committed to never leave me. You with me? She's ever already committed to not leave me. And now I know she's a human being. I'm a human being. We make mistakes. But the truth is, is we made a commitment not to leave each other. Right? So I'm not in the relationship saying, well, I'm doing this. I'm just doing my duty because I don't want her to leave me. No, she's already told me she won't. I'm doing it because what? I not only have a new marriage and I have a new mission, but I have a brand new motivation. And that motivation is love. Love. See, when duty is done just for duty and not out of desire, you have a problem. How many know as a believer, when you lose your desire to do that which is good, there's a love problem? There's a love problem. It's not a law problem. How many know the the law never changed? You don't need more laws. You know, some believers think, I just need more accountability. I need more laws. I need more filters. I need more uh, people standing over my head yelling at me. I need the pastor to hit me with the book, rip my face off when he preaches. You know, I need, I, you know, I need him, I need him yell and scream at me to keep me right. I need the drill sergeant driving me. No. You need to love God. You need to love God. You need to love Jesus. See, this new marriage came with a new mission, but it also is assisted by a new motivation. Notice what he's talking about here. He says in verse number 5, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we're delivered from the law, verse 6, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in what? Newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What's he saying? Your motivation now is not law, it's love. It's love. How many, when you raise kids, you know that there's a certain point in your relationship with your kids where they start doing right and obeying you because they love you, not because you're making them? How many know every parent wants that? I don't want my kids to obey me just because I throw the law down. 
I want them to obey me because they love me. Because the law, they're going to keep and they're going to break. You with me? But love, that's the motivation that keeps us together. That's what drives us together. Come on, what did Jesus say in Revelation to the church? I have someone against you because you've left your first love. He didn't say because you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right. You've left, you've left your first traditions. You stopped doing what you've always done. No, no, he said you left your first love. How many know if I'm just doing duty and I'm not in love, I got a problem. I'm headed for disaster. Come on, if I'm just doing my duty, well, I got to do it because the law. I don't have a marriage license around my finger. I have a symbol of my love and devotion. Circular, unending, infinite, unbreakable. Isn't that what the symbol of the ring is supposed to be? I'm not, I don't have a marriage license around my, I don't, anybody know where your marriage license is? Maybe you do. But I don't think you go back and you go, you go back to, and you pull that marriage license out and go, oh, just makes me feel so good, warm and cuddly inside. The law doesn't give you those feelings. But how many of you ladies, you can look down at that ring, you remember when he gave it to you? You go, love, love. Boy, that keeps you doing the right things for the right motives. What does he say? What does the Lord say? Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord doing the will of God from the heart. I want to remind all of us who know the law, because maybe you were, last week, you were the, on the liberal side where you were just kind of like, yeah, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want now. How many know when you got married, that didn't mean, yay, I'm married, I can do whatever I want now? I always tease the kids. I like that Home Alone movie. He goes, he's jumping up and down. When I get, grow up and get married, I'm living alone. No. No. When I got married, it didn't mean, oh, I can go live how I want now. It meant that I was tethered to connected to another person and that everything that I do and say should be in regard of how it affects that person that I'm in a relationship with. Think about that. When it comes to your Christian walk, I told you this, is, this will revolutionize your Christian life if you get it. If you let the Holy Spirit teach you this, boy, this helped me greatly because I know the law. How about you? I grew up around it. I grew up around the law. I learned the law from a kid. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You know what? After a while, I figured out I can just hide because I can't keep it. So I got to go underground. I got to act like I'm keeping it. Hope everybody thinks I'm keeping it. Well, I know I'm not keeping it, but I don't know what to do because I can't keep it. And every time I break it, it just says, you deserve to die. You deserve guilt. Shame, guilt, shame, fear. What does fear do? Brings a snare. Let me ask you a question. Does the Lord Jesus Christ lead us with fear? God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
God has never motivated you with, I'm going to crush you if you don't. You know what I know? God's holy and just and could crush me if he wanted to. But what I've learned about him is he's not going to because he says I'm in his hand. Nobody's going to pluck me out of his hand and nothing's going to separate me from his love. Not tribulation, nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So you know what that does? I want to do what I do because I love Jesus. I want to do what's right because I love Jesus. Does that do away with the law? No, the law still remains. But what the law comes, becomes to the believer is understanding the expectations of my lover. Now I'm in a relationship with the one who wrote the law. What is the law? God's expectations. So if I know what makes my lover happy, do I want to do it? Absolutely. Whatever makes him happy, I want to do. Because I'm in love with him. How about you? I love Jesus because he first loved me. That's not crazy. Come on, people do crazy things for love. Anybody ever do anything crazy for love? I want to ask you. I'm afraid. We do, but you hazard yourself. You sacrifice things. You put yourself out there. You were okay with being put in an awkward, embarrassing situation because you loved. Because love, what does he do? Well, that church in Corinth, that carnal church, that licentious church, that liberal church. Where do we find 1 Corinthians 13? Right in the middle. And what's he saying to that liberal church? You know what love is? You think love is looseness. You think love is lust. You think love is living how you want. But love, love, love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Come on, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not prideful. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not selfish. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't think evil. What is God saying? That's how I love you. Love me how I love you. He's trying to teach us that. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And all those of us that know the law say, that means when I do all the things I'm supposed to do, I'm loving God. Well, that may be true in some sense of the world, but you're supposed to do everything that you do because you love God. Because you love God. How many know that you lose all the reward when when you do it out of duty and not out of desire? All the reward is gone. Come on, if I spend time with my kids because I have to, I lose all the reward of that. If I come to church because I have to, I lose all the reward of that. If, if I read my Bible because I have to, I lose all the reward of that. Some people are going through this religious life living by the law, and they're miserable. Look at them in their churches. They are miserable. Fake smile, fake joy, miserable because they're living by the law. And the law is saying death, 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 death. That's all the law ever said. But when sin, the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. That's what Paul said. And I was free to marry again to the one who rose for me and saved me. 
And now I'm in a new marriage with a new mission and a new motivation. And it's not law, it's love. Let me ask you a question. In your Christian life, you doing it because it's right to be done? You doing it because you love him? Well, if that's what he wants, I love him. I'll do it. I don't have to fully understand it. I don't have to get the request. How many husbands ever gotten a request from your wife and you didn't understand it? Can I help you? Don't try. Just do it because you love her. That may be some of the best marriage advice you ever get. Don't try. Just do it because you love her. Wives, have you ever, husbands are like, get to the next one. Wives, have you ever gotten an odd request from your husband? (laughs) Every day. I don't get I don't get it. You don't have to get it. You just have to love them. And when you love them, you don't have to how many know that love takes away the need to always understand everything. But just being there and being together and walking and fellowshipping and that closeness and that nearness and that intimacy. How many know you need that in your relationship with God? Because God is up there. And he's cold and he's distant and he's far. And you can't touch him because the law has separated you from him. But if you've come by grace through faith, through the cross and received Christ as your Savior, guess what happened? You died. God's not distant and far. God's in your heart. He's near. He's close. He loves you. And now we can love him because he first loved us. Maybe you're struggling with Staying away from something that you shouldn't stay away from. But I tell you, you don't need more accountability. You don't need more filters. You don't need somebody standing over you. You just need to fall in love with Christ. Because if you truly love Jesus, see, love keeps me from doing what I shouldn't do when nobody else is around, when nobody else sees. It doesn't mean I don't have a desire to do what's wrong. How about you? How many ever find yourself battling desires you shouldn't have? I shouldn't think that way. I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't do that. The desires are still there, but what curbs the desire? Not a law. You don't go and look at the wall and say, oh, there's a law that says I shouldn't do that. Love. Love. Because I love her, I don't want to do that. But whenever I do wrong, it's always because I'm not loving. How about you? If I ever wrong my wife or you or someone else, it's because I'm not loving. That's why God says, all the law and all the commandments hang on these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Because everything else hangs on it. Does that mean the law dies? No. The law is still holy and right and good, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. But how many glad for the new marriage, the new mission, and the new motivation? 
You know what he's saying to those that know the law? Maybe you grew up like me in religion and around it, and you heard the Bible. And you, I'm grateful for it. The law was good for me because without the law, I wouldn't have known that I lusted, except the Bible say, thou shalt not covet. Without the law, I wouldn't have known that I... The law taught me I was a sinner, but I'm thankful the law was not all that was here. But then I learned that Jesus took my place and my punishment, and he died for me so I could be his bride. So I could be in that relationship. The church is the bride of Christ. And he says, hey, listen, don't you ever go back to be motivating by the law. Some of you are just trying to do good. I'm just trying. You know, I'm struggling. I can't keep doing good. I keep doing bad. I keep do- Love God. Love Jesus. Look at the cross again and understand what he did for you. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ loves you with an everlasting love. And you will never earn his love. You can't ever earn his love. You'll never be good enough to be loved. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us. He commended us. He showed his love to us. How many know that you're undeserved of that love? I am. I don't deserve it. We heard that song. Why should I gain from his reward? Why should I? Why should I benefit from this relationship? I don't deserve it. I deserve death. The command, the law demanded it. But I died. And now I'm alive again. Because when he died, he didn't stay dead. He rose. And as he ascended, one day we're going to ascend. You know, because our life is now wrapped up in his life. And we're in Christ. And now everything that Christ is, we are. Did you get that? Heirs and joint heirs. Sons of God. Why are we a son of God? Because we are in the only begotten son of God. That's why we're children of God. We're part of the family of God. Anybody think you deserve that position? Because I know I don't. But I'm glad that he loves me this morning. How about you? But you know what I need? I need to go back to my first love and love God. Because some people think if you just preach hard enough and long enough and loud enough about a particular topic and you can guilt trip people into making decisions, they're going to be able to keep those decisions. No, no. What's going to hold you when you walk out these doors is your love for Jesus. And if you love God, you can keep his commandments. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.